Hey everyone, this is a Faithfully Radical podcast where we're going to teach and equip families on the authority of God's Word. Let's get to it. Hey everyone, thanks for sitting down with us listening to another episode of a Faithfully Radical podcast. I pray that your weeks are going well. We're here at the middle of the week. I know everyone's climbing over hump day to get to to get to the weekend here. Um, but I pray that everything's going really well for you, that you're you're feeling strengthened in your faith, that you're chasing after Christ this week. And if you want to, drop us a line and let us know how, how God's working in your life this week. What's he doing? What's he showing you? How are prayers getting answered? These are the real day-to-day things that we deal with as believers. And it's the most critical thing that we're we're always chasing after Christ. So I really pray that that's happening for you. That And if you're in a dry spell, if you're if you feel fallen away, if you feel far away from from God, just remember, keep keep going, keep praying, keep reaching out, keep studying the Lord's word, study your Bibles, do your devotions and, and pray, ask God that he will come closer to you and that he will surround you in your time of need and, and reach out to us to reach out and let us know if you need prayer. Uh, we love we love being an active part part of that with you and it, it's so important for us as believers it's it's really important we stay together that we pray together that we worship together and that that we just chase after the lord together this is all so hard to do without having having a good group of of other believers around you surrounding you to speak god's truth into your life i've been spending a fun day here at home uh with the kiddos today it's just me you just get me talking to you jess is working on a 48 hour shift so couple days here we're getting ready to head down to indianapolis indiana uh for a homeschool conference this weekend which is super exciting we're super pumped about um it's just a another way we're trying to live out our faith and teach teach our kids uh, to live for the bible to live for jesus christ and so we made the decision this year to start homeschooling our daughter who is uh third grade she'll be going into fourth grade so if you guys could be in prayer over that, that the Lord guides us to to his will, to what he wants us to do, and and help us there. We're getting excited. We're going to go down for our wedding anniversary and spend some time alone, which we haven't gotten in a while. So that'll be awesome. Um, I'm sure you can probably hear here in the background. I just put my boys down for a nap. So they're... Uh... They love to sing. They sit in their room and sing Mickey and Jake and the Neverland Pirates and VeggieTales. So um, that's what's going on here. Uh, I wanted to take this time to kind of sit down and talk to you guys about uh, something that's kind of been weighing on my heart a little bit lately and something that I think about as as I talk to um, believers and, and new believers or unbelievers. And uh, um, that's that's the topic kind of of... Oh, what's the best way to say it? it it's more on uh, living for the authority of the Bible. Um, where do we stand on the Bible? Because there's so many different views. There's You're going to get so many different answers from those, not only in the secular world, but in the Christian community on what what is this book and what is it supposed to teach us and what is it supposed to show us and why are we doing this? You'll get, you know, we always we always know that it's the authority of God's word, that it's the Lord's word. Um, and that it, it, it's what we as Christians are meant to live our lives by and um, how, what we're supposed to study to grow closer to our Lord and, and things like that. But 
But what is it really? I mean, we have these people, we have some people who say, well, you know, it's it's um, some historical knowledge. It's some stuff that has happened in the past with us. Um, and then some are just moral tales, more to help you, more to guide you. Um, some people say it's none of that. It's actually all moral tales. And they're the way to live... Um, to live well in your life if you follow these principles set out through this intricate, complicated, very unique book called the Bible. Um, but but I, I think the truth is none of that. Um, I think that when we look at the Bible, when we look, take it for its for all of its parts and pieces that come together to make this one very unique book that we live our life by, we have to look at it from what it's meant to be. And what it's meant to be is a historical representation of the li- of Christians from the beginning all the way through um, until after Christ. And I, I think that's such an important distinction to make because when we don't know where we stand or, or when we live unsure of, well, do we believe this part of the Bible? Do we not believe that part? Do we believe any of the Bible? Um, do we believe all of the Bible, you know, and, and there's a lot of people would say, well, I believe all of the Bible, but, you know, some of these stories were obviously made up to kind of guide people in their morals and um, to to more teach children or, or things like that. But, but the truth is, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good reasons why we can stand on the authority of God's word, why we can stand firmly on the Bible as our foundation for our faith. Um, I think that we kind of lose track of that in our, in our day-to-day lives. Like I know I do, you know, you can go through your, your book studies or your Bible studies and, and you're picking out these certain parts and, and it's easy to try and apply those to yourself, but it's a much different thing to read through and say, whoa, this is what was going on then. This is what God was doing in, in early Christians' lives or, 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 you know, the early Jewish life that led to Christianity through Christ. Um, and it's kind of hard to take it, to take it for, for what it is really to kind of sit down and say that, well, no, this is, this is our history. This is what happened. This is why, this is why we believe what we believe because we have physical evidence we have a written account of how god has worked throughout time for his people what he's done for his people and how he's cared for and led and guided and created and all of these things for for his people for the for god's people um so there's there's a lot of reasons why we need to stand on the authority of god's word we need to have these these kind of answers not only for ourselves but for our families for our children um for unbelievers looking in on our lives we need to be able to speak to why is this applicable to us now. Um, and so there's a few things I, I mean, this is going to be kind of a a very brief overview because this is such a good, a good deep topic to talk about. And there's a lot of actual physical evidence that you can pour over looking at scripture and what was actually going on in the world at that time. Um, you know, archaeological digs, um, documents that we've found, things like that, that, that actually verify our truth within the Bible. Um, and, and if you look at even, uh, you know, this is just going to be one 
very brief, small example out of many. But I, I feel like it's a good one to make because even when we look at the Gospels, where Christians set their foundation, uh, we are believers in Christ, we are saved through Christ, we are redeemed to the Father through Christ. Well, how can we stand on the authority of the rest of God's word if we might live unsure? Well, was was Jesus really the Son of God? Was Jesus this moral teacher who was a really great speaker, but just this carpenter's son? Um, or was he actually the Son of God, as he said? That, that's where our entire basis of belief come from. And so if you look at the way that we... Um, verify these historical documents as we look at our as we look at our history from um, any type of perspective, whether it be religious, secular, um, anything in between. Which there's not there's not two opposing views there, religious and secular. I mean, there, there's two different ways that they look at it, but it's not actually this this argument. We're not denying science because actually science backs up what we believe. And so as we look at um, the, the ancient writings of the Gospels, what, what do we find? What do we see here? And, and they've collected so many different, um, different types of writing from the Bible that date very closely to when Christ actually lived. Um, if we look at the Gospels and their Greek manuscripts that we've um, that we've discovered over over the decades, the Gospels actually have over five thousand copies of Greek manuscript to corroborate the stories that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John describe in the Bible. Um, and there's a lot that goes into even each of those authors, the study they did, the eyewitness accounts, everything like that. And I'll be posting some helpful resources for you in the in the in the links here uh for the web for the podcast but now that's a big deal it might not sound like a big deal but here's why it is so the next historical document that we have the most amount of corroborated greek manuscript for um which tells us what it is what it said history or fiction all these things the next one we have is the iliad um which is which could be more commonly known as the ancient greek bible this is kind of what they believed um and that's the second most recorded document we have so the gospels have over five thousand greek manuscripts that we can we can look at and piece together to form our view of the gospels while the iliad which is widely accepted as a historical document we know now and we've known for a long time that the ancient Greeks had had um, had this belief system that was myths, uh, but it actually only carries 650 Greek manuscripts backing it up. So when we talk about the authority of the scripture of the Bible, and you look at all the components that would make something historically viable or not, um, the evidence just starts t- stacking up this way for the Bible. We look at... Um, we look at how these verifying documents, these eyewitness accounts, all of these things we've discovered, there, there's, there's several times more than any other following document that describe that. And that's really important. I think it is important that we know that what we stand on is the truth. And not only just because we have what so many people could call like a blind faith, but because there is this research, there is historical scientific documentation that these things happened. And we have multiple eyewitness accounts, multiple corroborations, multiple historical sites found. Um, and we even know if, even if you look at, um, 
if you inquire to the Smithsonian Institute, take for instance a well-known, um, a well-known place to go to hear about uh, scientific findings and things like that. If you inquire to them about the history of the Bible and what it actually says, and this is a quote from a letter they sent out, um, it says. Uh, much of the Bible, in particular the historical books of the Old Testament, are as accurate historical documents as any that we have from antiquity, and are in fact more accurate than many of the Egyptian, Mesopotamian, and Greek histories. These biblical records can be and are used as other, uh, as are other ancient documents in archaeological work. For the most part, historical events described took place, and the people cited really existed. Um, and you know, that's from a mostly secular area while they do go on to describe, um, how there are different documents used for archeological digs because, um, they come to it from a more whatever object objective, I guess, view. They take certain viewpoints into account, which isn't always the case depending on, depending on your, um, your, uh, PhD who's kind of working on that or the people out digging or the people doing these scientific findings, all of, all of their beliefs are always going to kind of bleed into their findings too. But, but I think for them to even say that show, shows how much that there is a viability for biblical text, um, and why, uh, why we can stand firm in believing it. Um, and then, and as we look at Christ, we can see um, throughout the Gospels of him citing Old Testament scripture as though it were true, um, citing uh, things that happen, old laws uh, that he is talking about coming to fulfill, that this is his people's history and that he is coming as the fulfillment of that. And, and also the Old Testament is full, chocked full of prophecies and allusions to Jesus Christ coming as our Savior. And since we do know that he did come um, and we, we stand firm in our belief in that, that has absolutely... Um, radical implications for how to view the rest of the Bible. Because Christ did not come assuming that these Old Testament stories were just stories, and he's coming to kind of act like he's fulfilling these things and that it could have happened, and or it was just all symbolic, and now here he is as a new symbol. That's not the case at all. He goes, here's the history, you know, and we can even look at the ge- biblical genealogies and history of that and follow Christ all the way back through his line. Uh, and the fact that we're given all that information really shows that, no, this was meant to be documented as history. Um, so if we if we live on the basis in believing in Jesus Christ, our Savior, who died, was crucified and buried and rose again, all to save us of our sins, and he believed, and not only that, but fulfilled the Old Testament and knew it to be true, that does have quite radical implications for the rest of the Bible and how we are meant to view it. Now, um, the other part I want this to lead into then is that we have to be very careful with how we view the Bible, with how we learn the Bible, and how we present the Bible to others, um, such as our children, uh, other non or uh, non-believers, other believers. Um, and I want to start off with a Matt Chandler quote. Um, he has spoken on this topic before, and I kind of just wanted to expand on that, and, um, but. So this is what he said in his story talking about David and Goliath and people putting themselves in the situation of David, putting yourself in the central character's role. He says, take a simple story like the story of David and Goliath. 
What a lot of people will do is they'll take the story of David and Goliath and they'll make themselves David. And they'll make Goliath whatever opposition they're fighting in their life. So maybe it's debt, maybe it's difficult marriage, but what they do is, I'm David, this is Goliath, so I need to get my five stones, I need to figure out how I'm going to defeat this giant, and with God's power, I'm going to overcome this giant. He goes on to say, This view enslaves you. And the reason that I say this view of the scriptures can set you up for despair and ultimately enslave you is, what happens when your stone misses? What happens when you throw all five stones and all five stones miss? What happens when with all your effort and all your might and all your power, you don't slay the giant? Now, I I think he's touched on a great point here. Um, While God had called David to do these things, that that was the way his life was going to go, it does not even remotely mean that he's going to call you to do something similar. Um, reading this historical account of David's life and how the Lord worked in his life and used him is a wonderful, wonderful historical account for us to remember. Um, you know, that down the line of Christ, on the Messianic line, here was a guy named David, and, and we get the full view of his life into becoming a, a great king. Um, and, and he touches on a great point here on what if you don't do it? Because what, what this implies when you put yourself in the central character's role is that uh, you will, no matter what, overcome this goal. Well, David overcame Goliath because that was God's will for his life. If you're fighting a difficult marriage, if you're fighting... Um, if you're fighting, what else do you talk about? Debt, um, any other thing, job change, job loss, family, kids, mothers, fathers, in-laws. Um, it might not be God's will for your life to just conquer it and overcome. Uh, we're, we're called to go through times of persecution. We're called for our lives to be suffering and sacrifice for those around us. So to put put ourselves in these kind of central key roles can absolutely be a misnomer because you end up thinking, well, why me? God was supposed to be helping me overcome this, not suffer through it. And that's the opposite of what we were called to do. Not to mention, it takes a very small story, time frame-wise, in in the life of David, and it makes it kind of this ultimate. It doesn't show you the rest of David's life of adultery, murder, his straying from God, um, not not being able to build the temple for God and having his son do it because he had strayed so far from the Lord. But he was still a man of God. And you have to look at the whole story there and keep it about David's life and not your own. Because then we see that it's not his own strength that he stood on. He did go through all these things. He did go through adultery and murder, and he did stray away from God. And he did also slay the giant. But that was all because it was God's will. It was God's saving grace in his life. And when we put ourselves in these stories, we risk we run the risk of undermining their ultimate authority as the word of God and as the history of our people. Um, we do start to think, why Why me? Or, I should be able to overcome this. Why is God not leading me to this? Uh, rather than taking it for what it's actually meant to be, a story about King David, um, not a story, you know, a historical account of King David, his life, his reign, how the Lord worked in his life. Um, you're not, you're not David. There's not, there's not a Goliath, um, for you, not one that you can just pick out. And the only obstacles that God knows or that 
you're going to overcome are the obstacles that God knows and that God has already ordained for you to overcome. So I think we really put ourselves in a precarious position by putting ourselves um, in, in the middle of these stories. But besides that, when we put ourselves in the middle of these stories, we also set a different example for those looking in that might not have the biblical knowledge we do, that might not have a relationship with Christ like we do. Um, everyone puts themselves in fairy tale stories. Uh, I, I, I know that very well. You know, I was not saved until later in life. And most of what I had devoted my time to prior to that was comic books, you know, and when you look at stories of Superman, the TV shows, I was big into Smallville and comic books and all that stuff, which is a fairy tale, right? But what I would do in my mind, even as I got older, you put yourself in these stories. Well, what if I was Superman? What if I had these powers? Um, I put myself in every movie, every story, every comic, every TV show. And and that that's not uncommon. We do this with a lot of stories. Girl, little girls pretending to be Cinderella, boys pretending to be Captain America. Um, and, and it just follows us throughout life. Well, we need to handle it this way because this is what this moral story back in the day told us what we should do. And we're the central character in that because it's about us. But that's not the case with the Bible. Um, this is about historical figures leading through the line to Christ, to our Savior. Um, these things really did happen. And, 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 you know, to put an illustration to it, what we when we do less is put ourselves in the feet of historical figures. It's really easy for little girls, little boys, or even older. You know, like I said, I man, I sat around one, wishing I could be Superman, wondering what it would be like to have his powers until I was a well, an adult, you know, which is super sad. But <laughs> that's just me. But you can look and see, well, you know, they're putting themselves in the shoes of Cinderella or of this fictional character. But what we do this less of is put ourselves in the shoes of um, historical figures. You know, we see these books about slaying your Goliath or, you know, conquering things, persevering like Moses, which are what I doubt there is a book called is you are George Washington and this is how to defeat your British empire. We don't really do stuff like that because we know it's truth and we want to look at this historical figure's life and we don't need to apply every aspect of that to our own lives. So I, I think I think that paints a pretty good picture of, okay, when we have these other books that are saying one thing and you're, you're not going to find one that's talking about how... Um, you know, you're, you're Napoleon and you need to, you need to go search out the territory or anything like that. You know, we're not going to put ourselves in those shoes. So I think it's just those little things that we don't realize can kind of undermine the authority, the historical accuracy of these scriptures in our lives and in the lives of people around us who are kind of looking in on that. And as we learn this and teach us, we really can't come with a mindset that undermines the Bible. I'm not saying applying certain principles of the Bible to your life um, is a bad thing. Obviously, it's not. Uh, it's our ultimate authority. I think what we what we do instead is instead of taking the insight, the the wisdom, the laws that God gave the people, um, the the preaching that Christ did, instead of taking where where God is actually telling us what to do with our lives, we actually try and put ourselves in the lives of the men or the women of God and make that the ultimate, which which is just another example of our fleshly fallen nature. You know, we put ourselves in these things and we want to make it about ourselves. But it, it's just not. While there were obviously many great lessons to be learned from these men and women, these writings are the historical account of, of how God led, provided, cared for his people. And it's the story of our people all leading to and pointing to the cross. Um, we, I do think it's important we remember we're, we're not Moses. We're not 
Abraham. We're not David. We're not Ruth. Um, Christ came as the perfect David. Christ came as the perfect Moses, as the perfect Abraham, as the perfect Ruth, as the, as all of these perfect historical figures we know and that's the only reason we see them as such prominent historical figures because of the lord's work in their lives we don't put ourselves in these stories we must see christ in these stories we're not called to just live our lives to overcome our obstacles or hardships we live to overcome the obstacles for the lord to point our lives and everyone we meet to the messiah to the son of god uh, and, I, and I think that's something that gets undermined when we put ourselves in these stories. It, it wasn't meant to be about us. It's meant to be about Jesus and how he has rescued his people from from sin, from depravity, from hell. And that's really what we need to keep in mind as we read through the Bible, Old Testament through the New Testament. It's all pointing to Christ. It's all talking about the history of God's people, what God did and why he did it. Also, we could point to our Redeemer and Savior in Jesus Christ. Um, and these are things we need to remember as we move forward. These are things we need to start building up um, in ourselves so that we can teach our children, so that we can teach others. Um, my personal opinion is that this is a very real reason why we do see so many people leaving the church. When when your only exposure to biblical stories is um, nice storybooks or uh, veggie tales or um, Bible man or things like that. While, while they're great and they're great for little kids to get introduced to the Bible, that can't be where it stops. We then need to explain why these stories were, were created. Why, why are they showing them the story of David and Goliath? Well, this was, this was David, you know, he, he was shepherd, he slayed Goliath and eventually became like, we need to actually sit down and talk about the reality of the Bible, the reality of these people's lives and their stories and how they lived and how God worked in them. Instead of just living kind of with these one-off pop stories throughout the scripture, just grabbing one here, one there, and and kind of using them as this moral compass for yourself, when the truth is that's not what it's describing at all. And we really need to teach that. We need to make sure that we're equipping ourselves in the correct way. When people come with questions, when your children come with questions, when unbelievers come with questions, how are we going to respond if we don't know that we can stand on the authority of the Bible 100%? Um, and so I really think that's an important thing for us to pay attention to. Um, the Bible is our authority. The Bible is our word from God passed down all of these generations. It's it's scientifically sound. It's archaeologically sound. There is there is all this evidence that points to it. And when we do have a true faith in the man and God, Jesus Christ, who did actually come to earth, live his life, start a ministry at 33, and um, died, crucified, and resurrected on the cross, all to redeem us from our sins— if if there's even a hint that we can't believe the rest of the Bible or the things Jesus cites, it can crumble everything. But that's not the case, and that's what we need to remember. We need to remember that we're not teaching just these little fluff stories in Veggie Tales. We're not just we're not just telling our kids these one-off moral tales of of historical figures from biblical text. We need to make sure that we're painting an entirely clear picture so they can see, so that we can see. 
that the Bible is meant for us. It is what it says it is. It's 66 books in an Old and New Testament, and they are the authoritative word of God, and we can stand on them. And that's that's so important. God God gave us his word for, for a, a very real reason. And although there's sin in the world, although we fight our fleshly desires, although we're going to fail at this, and God knows that, we still need to keep up. We need to try, and we need to train ourselves to picture um, what God has given to us in the correct context. That that um, y- you know, you're not David, you know, and these stories are not one-off moral fluff pieces. David was David. David had a very real battle he needed to fight with Goliath, and that's supposed to tell us what God has been doing throughout human history throughout the history of his people and it's supposed to guide us there and that so that's just been something that's kind of been weighing on me lately um as as we talk and grow and learn and um talk with more people and other believers uh there there is a lot of questions about this that come up and um I worry sometimes people are unsure about whether they can stand on the authority of God's word and I know I go through those times you know dry seasons and um I, I especially being um, when I was a new believer, and you, I grew up thinking that these were moral fluff stories. You know, it's just this random compilation of texts that that <clears throat> people choose to believe if they choose to do that. But that that's not the case at all. Well, this is our history. This is our. This is what our people did. This is where they came from. This is where we came from, and that's what got us to now. That's what got us to Christ. That's what saved us and redeemed us, um, is God's work throughout history so that he can touch our lives in this way. So I just really wanted to kind of sit down and spell out a few of these points for you. I I hope it's helpful. Um, If you have any more questions or anything like that, I know I touched on some of these things super briefly because there's literally books on these topics. And we'll put some resources in the notes, like I said. Um, I cited some Case for Christ um, in here and Matthew Chandler. Uh, those, I mean, those are a couple great, Matthew Chandler's a great, Matt Chandler's a great speaker. Um, the case for Christ by Lee Strobel. It's a fantastic book if you haven't picked it up. Um, but there's a few like that. So I'll put them in the show notes. If you'd like to continue the conversation with yourself, if you'd like to continue the learning. Um, but I do want to let you guys know and, and help you understand that, that this is where we can put our feet. This is where we can stand firmly without worry of wavering or shaking because it is real, because God is real, because this is his authoritative word. Um, I love you guys. I hope I hope it was okay just listening to me talk forever <laughs> and, and missing out on, on my wife today. Um, but yeah, we love you guys. We love you so much. Um, if you... If you have any questions, comments, um, anything you'd like to hear us talk about or anything like that, you can toss them in the comments. If there's anything you'd like to talk about personally or if you'd like to sit down with uh, me or any anyone at the ministry anytime, feel free to reach out. We have our contact information on our website and on our Facebook pages. Um, if you like what you're listening to, um, go ahead and hit subscribe on whatever app you're listening to this on, or if you're listening to it on the website, awesome. Um, but it just helps us get our message to more people uh, as we as we kind of grow and are able to help people in this way, in an equipping type of way. Um, 
We're also an outreach ministry here in Northwest Indiana. If you haven't listened to us before, um, if you have any interest or any um, want, or if you want to learn some more about what we're doing up here, check out our website at faithfullyradical.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at at Faithfully Radical, and um, we'll be launching a YouTube channel here shortly as well. So, love you guys. Uh, pray for us. We'll pray for you. Thanks. <laughs>